text for this morning's sermon is John 11, the verses 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, that's to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, are you afraid to die? What goes through your mind when you hear of someone diagnosed with a terminal illness or someone who dies unexpectedly in an accident? When you consider your life, do you fear death? Often, when we're young and healthy, we do not take the time to really consider these questions. We consider ourselves to be invincible. While we know that all people die at some time or another, we somehow think that death will pass us by. And at times, we're all confronted with death. Such occasions remind us that we are mortal. How does that make you feel? In some ways, it's normal for us to hate death and to want to avoid having anything to do with us. For contrary to what many people in this world think, death is not natural. We were not created to die. Our God is a God of life. He created us to live in his wonderful creation. He made us so that we would praise and glorify him. Death entered into this world through sin. It is a consequence of the fall. That's why we say that death is not natural, that death is our enemy. On this Easter morning, we'll consider how Jesus came into this world to conquer the last enemy, death. We celebrate the fact that on the third day after he gave up his life for our sins, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Christ showed forth his victory over death. He manifested himself as the Lord of life. This morning we'll go back to John 11 to consider what Jesus' resurrection means for us. John 11 tells a story about how Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Before he did so, he spoke some very significant words to Lazarus's sister, Martha. He told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Christ's statements to Martha provide us with immeasurable comfort. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He comforts us with the good news that if we die, we'll live forever. 
and that if we live, we'll never die. Toward the end of his earthly ministry, the Lord Jesus experienced the death of a close friend. This situation gave rise to Christ's further revelation of who he was and of why he had come into this world. In our text, Christ utters another of his I am statements. It's important to remember that in these statements, our Lord was claiming to be divine. He was more than just a good man who showed love to God's covenant people. Jesus was the Son of God who came into this world to give life to all who believe in him. With the claim, I am, Jesus showed himself to be the Son of God. The words, I am, take us back to the Lord's revelation of himself to Moses at the burning bush. The Lord told Moses, I am who I am. He commanded Moses to tell the people that I am has sent me to you. The fact that Jesus claimed to be I am enraged the Jews. On two previous occasions, they actually picked up stones to stone Jesus to death. They considered that Jesus was blaspheming by making himself equal with God. In John 11, Jesus receives the news that his friend Lazarus was sick. Jesus did not immediately go up to Bethany, where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived. The disciples presumed that Jesus had good reason not to go there. Bethany was a town located very close to Jerusalem. It was only about three kilometers from the center of Judaism, from the place where the scribes and the Pharisees lived. The disciples figured the reason why Jesus did not immediately return was because he wanted to avoid those who were trying to put him to death. Yet that was not the reason why Jesus did not immediately return to Bethany. In John 11, verse 4, Jesus makes clear that Lazarus' sickness was meant for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified through it. It was necessary for Lazarus to die. That's why Jesus remained for two extra days in the place where he was. In John 11, verse 15, Jesus says, For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. Jesus does not show up in Bethany until Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. There's a special reason for this. Jesus wanted it to be clear to everyone that Lazarus was well and truly dead. Lazarus' death was necessary for the message Jesus brought to have effect. Speaking about life and about the meaning of life is a theoretical exercise until we're confronted by death. But when you're faced with death, either personally or of someone you love, then life takes on a new meaning. It's in situations of serious illness or pending death that Jesus' words of life really touch us. It is when we are bereaved that Jesus' words provide real comfort. When Jesus decides to go to Bethany, death is all around him. 
the threat from the Jewish leaders was real. In his last confrontation with them, Jesus had had condemned them as false shepherds. They had tried to seize him and stone him to death. They had their temple guard, their police force out hunting for him. The disciples cautioned Jesus against going. When they saw he was determined to go, Thomas said, Let us also go, that we may die with him. John 11 emphasizes the desolation which death brings and our hopelessness in the face of it. It tells of Jesus meeting both Mary and Martha. Both say the same thing to Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. These women were profoundly sad. Not just with the death of their brother, but also with the fact that Jesus had not come in time to save him. They face the same struggles many of us have faced in times when loved ones die. The why questions, the if only struggles, the difficulties in coming to terms with the fact that a loved one is gone, that in this life we'll never see him or her again. Every death that occurs is a tragedy. Death is not natural. We were created for life. And yet, with the fall into sin, death entered this world. The wages of sin is death. See, beloved, unless Christ returns in our lifespan, each one of us will be confronted with it. Death is so final. It ends close relationships. It leaves behind grieving spouses and family members and friends. Death affects those left behind in such profound ways. Changes our lives forever. Scripture very appropriately calls death the last enemy. Striking to note the effect that Lazarus' death had on Jesus. John 11, verse 35, is the shortest text in the Bible. It says, Jesus wept. This verse speaks volumes. Jesus was not only true God. He was a real man with real emotions. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Lazarus was a close friend. John 11 verse 5 tells us Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so Jesus wept because his friend was dead. He grieved together with Lazarus' family and friends. It's in this context that the Lord Jesus offers comfort. True comfort that only his words of life can bring. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Martha's response to these words was one of faith. 
She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And even she did not fully understand what Jesus was saying. Today, we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus from the dead. Often, we see this as something that happened to him. We think of Jesus as a victim, that he had no choice or say in his death, that his resurrection is something that just happened to him. That is indeed the way it was with all the other resurrections recorded in the scriptures. Jesus stopped the funeral procession of the widow of Nain's son and commanded that the young man get up. He took the hand of the daughter of Jairus and called to her, saying, Child, arise. With Lazarus, the Lord commanded the stone to be removed from the face of the tomb. Then he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face wrapped with a cloth. The widow's son and Jairus' daughter and Lazarus were all raised from the dead. They were acted upon by forces outside of themselves and beyond their control. They had no say in the matter. But not so with Jesus. The Lord Jesus was no victim of circumstances. Before his crucifixion, he told his disciples he would rise from the dead. When speaking about being the good shepherd, Jesus said he had the power to lay down his life and the power to take it up again. So what actually happened that first Easter? Did God have to go into the tomb to shake Jesus awake? Did he have to call Jesus to come out of the tomb? Did he have to give the command for Jesus to arise? Did he have to tell the onlookers to take the grave clothes off of Jesus as they did with Lazarus? When we look at the gospel accounts, we see none of that. Yes, the stone was rolled away. But that was not so Jesus could get out, but rather so that the women could get in. The strips of linen that were wrapped around Jesus' body were still lying in the place where Jesus' body had lain. But Jesus was gone. In Luke 24, verses 5 and 6, two angels testified to the women who came to the tomb, saying, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here but has risen. So what happened that first Easter Sunday morning? Jesus did not have to be shaken awake. He did not have to be called to come out of the tomb. Jesus did not have to be let out of the tomb or unwrapped from his burial wrappings. He arose from the dead. He arose from the dead in the same way we arise from a night's sleep. In, his tech, in our text, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Not I experience the resurrection. Not I am given life. Do you get the picture? It's not something Jesus does. It's not something he experiences. 
It is something he is. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus does not merely tell us about life or bring us to life. He is life. He not only speaks of and speaks of and gives us the resurrection. He is the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. Think of what Jesus is telling us here. He is telling us it's in his power to withhold life and bring death. And it's in his power to give life and to raise a dead body from the grave. It is in his power because he is the great I am who holds all power in his hands. We see this power displayed in our reading from John 11. The great I am called Lazarus out of death, out of the tomb. Jesus did the same thing at the other funerals he attended. And today we celebrate that this is what happened at his own funeral too. Jesus Christ arose from the dead. When Jesus tells us he is the resurrection and the life, he grants us great comfort. For if we die, we'll live forever. Christ's resurrection is a sign and pledge that our death or the death of a loved one is not the end of all existence. Through his resurrection, Jesus has overcome death. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In him, all shall be made alive. Like Jesus, we may grieve at the loss of loved ones. Yet in the midst of our mourning, we have comfort. Despite our bereavement, there is hope. Hope in a risen Savior. The grave is not our eternal resting place. We bury loved ones in hope of the resurrection from the dead. They're planted in the ground just like a farmer plants seed in a field. They're planted so that one day they may rise up again. On the day of Christ's return, we'll be raised up to a new life. Our risen Lord will glorify us so we can live with him forever on new heavens and a new earth. In our first point, we've been comforted with the good news that if we die, we'll live forever. In our second point, we're comforted with the news that if we live, we'll never die. Verse 26 of our text says, And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Obviously, the words live and die in verse 26 means something different than in verse 25. There, the comfort was that if we physically die, we'll be raised up to life again. Yet in our second point, the focus is, more, is on more than just physical life. Christ teaches that if we live spiritually, we'll never die. His point is that for those who are alive in Christ, communion with Christ will continue even after we die. Our physical death is but the effect of another death infinitely more dreadful. 
The natural man is dead in trespasses and sins. The wages of sin is death. And when Adam sinned, he received those fearful wages. The day that Adam ate of the forbidden fruit, he died spiritually. He did so not just as a private individual, but also as the head, as the representative of all of mankind. And so when we're born into this world, we enter it alienated from the life of God. The natural man is spiritually dead. To enter the kingdom of heaven, he needs to be born again. John 1.13 teaches us that this new birth is not of blood by natural descent, nor of the will of the flesh by human desire, nor of the will of man by a husband's decision, but of God. God, by the power of his spirit, is the only one who can make us spiritually alive. The seed that God uses to produce this new birth in us is his own word. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Life is only to be found in him. There are many in this world who exist, but who do not truly have life. Not spiritual life rooted in God's grace in Jesus Christ. Such life is only found through faith in the Savior Jesus Christ. In John 3 verse 16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Notice that Jesus says that whoever believes in him has eternal life. Jesus does not say that he shall have eternal life, but that he has it. It's something we often don't understand. We tend to equate eternal life with the joy and the glory we'll experience with God on new heavens and a new earth. Yet the Lord Jesus makes it clear that already now we may share in eternal life. The Lord Jesus confirms this with the words he spoke in John 5, verse 24. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. In John 8, verse 51, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. With sayings like this, Lord Jesus makes it clear that through faith in him, we pass from death into life. So what's this life Christ is speaking about? It's our spiritual life, our communion with him. In our lives, God has given us light to displace the darkness, hope to dispel the, the gloom, life in place of death. In John 17, verse 3, Jesus said, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The Lord Jesus taught us that eternal life is knowing God, is dwelling in communion with him. 
Paul teaches something similar in Romans 14, verse 17, saying, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we see, beloved, that already now we may share in life with God. A life that no one can take from us. Jesus made it clear in John 10 that his sheep are precious to him. In verse 28, he says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. The result is that not even our physical death can end our life with God. Even the last enemy cannot break our bond of communion with Christ. You see, beloved, for all who believe in Jesus Christ, physical death is not the end of life. Instead, it is an entrance into eternal life. At our death, our spirit is taken to, be up with, to go up with Christ in heaven. Christ said to the robber hanging beside him on the cross, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He promised he would be with him immediately after his death. In Philippians 1, Paul speaks about his upcoming death. He says, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul's desire was to depart and to be with Christ. For he says, that is far better. The comfort Christ gives us is that if we truly live, we'll never die. If we have found our life in Jesus Christ and him crucified... That life will be forever. We may experience much sadness in this broken world in which we live. Loneliness, sickness, struggles. These things can drag us down. Sin has many negative consequences which may affect us deeply. Yet Christ's resurrection from the dead on that first Easter Sunday gives us hope. Hope for a new life in him. A life that begins now and that will never end. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ is alive. That he has risen from the dead. That proves something. It proves that Jesus claims to be the Messiah, the Son of God. We're not false. It proves he has won the victory over sin and Satan and death. Christ is victorious king. His great sacrifice made on Golgotha has meaning for our lives. By his death, he has restored us in our relationship with God. For Christ has fully paid the price for our sins. He's ransomed us with his blood. And so we can know that Jesus' Father is our Father, and Jesus' God is our God. We see, beloved, how Jesus' resurrection turns all our mourning and sadness 
to joy. It changes our grief to rejoicing. Consider the different things that cause sadness in your life. Doesn't Jesus' resurrection speak to these issues? The same Lord who arose from the dead is in control of our lives. His power is infinite. He can do what we think is impossible. He changes our sorrows to laughter. He fills our hearts with joy. The Easter message about our risen Savior provides each of us with reasons to rejoice. For it speaks about life and death issues. It's through the power of our risen Lord that we too are raised up to a new life. Already in this life, we're transformed through the working of the Holy Spirit in us. He changes us from dead sinners to living saints. He takes us out of our sins and misery, gives us a new life in Christ. Christ's resurrection is also a guarantee of our glorious resurrection. And so we see that in our lives, death has lost its power. Yes, we still experience sorrow and grief. But our Lord's resurrection gives us hope, both for this life and for the life to come. Amen. In response to the gospel message, let's rise and sing from Psalm 30, stanzas 1, 2, and 5.